My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. The year is 1994, and all of your coasters are made out of AOL CDs. Dial-up internet is still totally a thing. And the idea of e-commerce is just beginning. One brave soul, with the support of his parents, starts a dot-com retail store for books. He knows it's a risky business with a high possibility of failure. And yet, this online store rode the wave of internet growth, surfed over the dot-com bubble burst, and became an online retail behemoth. So let's learn how this dot-com kept from becoming a dot bomb, making it the third most valuable company in the world and its founder, Jeff Bezos, the richest person today. This is Amazon on the brink. Hi, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And you're listening to The Brink. And today we're talking about Amazon.com. This company, which now is kind of synonymous with online shopping for Mm -hmm. anything. I mean, I know people who go to department stores or grocery stores or or whatever, and they'll, in the store, compare the product they see on the shelf to what they can get on Amazon. But back in the day, all it sold was books. Like, it's it's easy for us to forget that. Even with all the focus on Kindle and Mm e-readers and stuff, they were just a bookstore when they started. Yeah, I think. They got really lucky because unlike Pebble, who we've talked about previous in a previous episode, who was slightly ahead of their time yeah. for their ideas, Amazon like hit the market right in the sweet spot. Okay, so let's set the stage here. So Amazon gets started in 1995, but you got to keep in mind, 1995 is at the very dawn of the World Wide Web. Yeah. Right? The web itself didn't become a thing till like 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't even know what it was until maybe 96 or 97. So Bezos, in a way, he was ahead of the curve too, right? So yeah. he's, he's saying, I'm going to make a business. I think one thing everyone agreed on was that the internet in general and the World Wide Web in particular was going to be the store of the future. What no one agreed on was how the heck we made that happen. Yes. Well, Jeff Bezos decided to start an ebook store. And he called it Amazon. No, he called it Kadabra. Oh. But 
He thought it sounded too much like the word cadaver, especially when he was talking on the phone. Uh, Would you like to buy books from a cadaver? No, I would not like to do that. If I'm a mortician, maybe anyhow. uh, He changed the name to Amazon because he wanted it to be the Earth's biggest bookstore. So why not name it after the Earth's biggest river? Ah, and uh, that also, by the way, was just a contender for a while. He Mm -hmm. had had another name in mind, right? He had uh, another name called Relentless. Which he liked so much that he bought the URL. So if you go to relentless.com, it will take you to Amazon. And yeah, it just redirects you over to Amazon. So he goes to raise some venture capital for his company. And he goes to the venture capitalist investors he knows and loves the best, his parents. Who also know and love him the best and agreed to invest, even though he said he, his company only had about a 30% chance of success. And even though he had to explain to them what the internet really was. Yeah, so this, I love this idea of Jeff Bezos, one of the richest people in the world. You know, he he replaced Bill Gates as the richest person in the world, and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos kind of went back and forth for a while. But I love the idea that at the beginning, he goes to his parents and says, listen, uh, I'm going to need some cash for this business I want to start up. You're probably not going to see it again. Also, it's for this thing called the internet that you don't understand. And also it's for a bookstore, which has really narrow margins. Of right, right. It's <laughs> a bookstore, which you do understand on the internet, which to you makes no sense. I am pretty sure he also had to go and talk to his wife about this venture because they set up his bookstore in their garage and the servers took so much energy that running a vacuum would blow a fuse. Yeah. <sighs> And so he starts this company, and in 1995, Amazon launches, and it makes its first sale. What was that book? That book was Fluid Concepts and Creative Analogies, Computer Models of the Fundamental Mechanisms of Thought. Light reading. You know, it sounds sounds just captivating to me. Also funny to me, when they first started, they would ring a bell. They had a bell that would ring every time someone made a purchase. Yeah, just had it hooked up so that Mm -hmm. if someone made a purchase, it would send a signal and the bell would go bing. And within a few weeks of launching Amazon.com, it was ringing so often they had to turn it off. Yeah, it was uh, getting to a point where it was maddening. Yeah, yeah. Within one month of launch, they had sold books to 45 different countries and all 50 states. And from what we understand, this is one of those things that is not so much of a fun story. It's actually kind of a difficult one to read. So I've never met Bezos. Neither have I. But I've heard that working for him, especially in those early days, was particularly taxing. He had a high expectation from his employees. He had a very diehard work ethic where he would put in these crazy long hours and he expected his employees to do the same. Exactly, yeah. 60-hour work weeks Yeah, at a minimum. So I've heard of other business owners who had similar work ethics. There's one in mind who's popping, he's popping right up in mind, and that's uh, Vince McMahon of WWE. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are are people who, they have a certain drive, they have a certain amount of energy, and they have very little patience for others who do not have that same drive and energy. They began to become a a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ in 1997. Mm -hmm. They add one-click shopping to their site to expedite the checkout process. Right. Also creates this sort of uh, impulse shopping thing that's a lot harder to walk back on. So it's a great way to get more sales. 
they were making uh, sales of $148 million at this point, Ooh. but that was not enough to actually turn a profit. They would not turn a profit for a few more years. Yeah. So in 98, they launched international sites in the UK and in Germany. And in 99, Jeff Bezos was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. And when you were looking at, again, the World Wide Web, everyone was saying this is the future of business. Amazon was one of the pioneers. It was mm-hmm. a company that had seized on that idea early and had found a way of actually doing this. And keep in mind, in these early days, it's still a bookstore. Yeah, yeah. It's not selling other stuff. And as we said, books have a really tiny profit margin. Yeah, but there, so. were, there were certain things that, that were incorporated into Amazon that set it apart from a lot of other websites of mm-hmm. that era. And it's what puts... Amazon into a category that people used to call Web Mm 2.0. I'm old enough to remember this term. (laughs) Children, for those who have never heard what Web (laughs) 2.0 is, Web 2.0 is kind of a BS description we used to describe websites that were had more utility than static websites. In the old, old, old days of the internet, there wouldn't be any way to interact. Mm -hmm. So you would go, you would read the information, and there was no reason to ever go back ever again because nothing was going to change. It was going to be that page forevermore. It was like a page in a book. Mm -hmm. Amazon, because it was an online store, they wanted to get more interactive. And so they introduced things like customer reviews. So now the person visiting the site had the opportunity to interact with the site and actually affect the site like your interaction created a record of that interaction that put it in a different category which people would call web 2.0 this mm-hmm. this more rich experience that involved more engagement that's one of the things that set amazon apart from a lot of other early websites and it also helped set the model for how online commerce was going to work so you see a lot i mean you go to any online commerce store and you can see Amazon's influence all over it, right? For everything mm-hmm. from whether there's a, a star review system or written reviews, you know, the the various ways that the pictures and videos are done. You, you can definitely see where Amazon's influence is. Yeah, and, and we'll get to more of that because Amazon certainly does bank on that for a large part of their success. Also in 1998, to bring things back a little bit closer to modern day, they hit their first major holiday season. Yeah. Turned out that uh, it was tough. Yeah. They were severely understaffed. All of their employees had to take a graveyard shift, at least one, to fulfill all their orders. This is why they hire so many seasonal employees now. Yeah, they didn't want to be caught in that position again. In 99, they decided to try and follow another Web 2.0 site Mm -hmm. that was actually doing well, which was eBay. Yes. So they launched an Amazon auction site. But it didn't stick around. No, and it didn't do well. Bezos, it was a pet project of his. Apparently, he bought at auction the skeleton of a prehistoric bear Mm -hmm. that still stands in Amazon's headquarters. He loves it. It says, don't feed the bear on it (laughs) or something like that. I like that. Yeah, and and as we said before, Bezos was not really employee-focused. He was more customer-focused. So it's great if you're a customer, but not great if you were working for Amazon. you love using Amazon, but you hate working for them. (laughs) And, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, leading up to this bubble burst, Amazon was moving so fast and it was growing so quickly that it was just 
chaos. It was chaos in their distribution centers. Mm -hmm. They had system outages. They had unsafe packing procedures. And, like, stock was just ignored. Employees were so busy, they'd have stock, they'd just ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, so so it was clearly— a recipe for disaster if things weren't addressed Mm -hmm. over time. But Bezos also did not like communication. Oh, wow. He thought there's too much communication and a lot less organic working together. And he he was always trying to find ways to lessen the amount of talk between employees. As someone who (laughs) who gets tired of of notifications and emails throughout the day when I'm trying to Mm -hmm. work, I can kind of understand that but communication is also extremely important especially yes. top down yes again up to this point amazon had not made a quarterly profit much less a yearly profit they had not had a single profitable quarter you know it was bringing in revenue but not profit and then so it was having to to also subsist on on investments mm-hmm. and the promises that the company was right on the verge of becoming profitable. Except for they're also right on the verge of the dot-com bubble burst. And when we come back, we talk about what that was and how Amazon was able to get through it. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
All right, so the dot-com bubble burst. What exactly was that? This was a time where you saw a lot of startup companies Mm -hmm. getting uh, massive amounts of investment. They were inflating very quickly from that investment. And many of them had either faulty business plans or no business plan whatsoever. Or not enough customer demand. Or they were – what was happening was they were getting way more money than what they needed Mm -hmm. in order to do their business. So they ended up spending that money on things that were not really business-focused, things like lavish headquarters and – crazy amenities. And Ice Age bear skeletons. And maybe Ice Age bear skeletons. (laughs) And so this was a time where we started seeing numerous companies collapse in on themselves. Uh, A lot of these companies were attracting talent by promising them equity in the company. So your salary wasn't necessarily in dollars, as your part of your salary was in stock options. Mm-hmm. But then when the companies would collapse, the stock options were worthless. And so you had this massive amount of turmoil that all resulted out of this, this dot-com bubble yeah. imploding. Yes, and Amazon avoided going into bankruptcy, but just kind of by the hair of their teeth, just barely. And they did get hit by the bubble burst. Um, they had invested millions of dollars the year before into homegrocer.com. And that was one of the companies that didn't make it. That's one of the companies it. that failed, so they lost that money. It was just like Webvan and Pet, yeah. you know, Pets.com. And mm-hmm. yeah, there were so many. So how did Amazon get through this? I mean, here you have this company that had yet to have a profitable quarter, mm-hmm. and it's another online business, another dot-com industry or a dot-com uh, organization. Well, it was because Warren Jensen, who had become the chief financial officer in 1999 over at Amazon, he had actually come from Delta. He was looking at the economy in early 2000, and he didn't like what he was seeing. Uh, He didn't necessarily anticipate the dot-com bubble bursting, but he did see that it might be harder to have a healthy window between when uh, his suppliers were going to be giving Amazon more supplies or Mm -hmm. or selling more supplies and when they were expecting to be paid for those supplies. It was just becoming a cash flow nightmare. So under some other advice, he looked to European markets to look for investment because he wasn't going to get any more investment in the United States. That speculation was already starting to come to a head. He looks to European markets and he's able to secure investment by selling convertible bonds. And he sells $672 million worth of them. But they are bonds with a 6.9% interest rate. Mm -hmm. So a return of investment of 6.9%. That was actually much higher than what would have been offered in the United States. But it was what had to be offered in order to get this investment. That $672 million is largely what kept Amazon afloat while other businesses were crumbling. So I would love to say it was this bold business decision to strike in this direction that kept Amazon going. But in reality, it was they got an injection of investment money just before Mm -hmm. the dot-com bubble burst, and that's how they were able to do it. Yeah, it helped them survive their stock prices dropping drastically to just $5.50 a share. What were they before? $113 $113 That's share. not dropping drastically. That's falling through the ground and getting buried 17 feet under the ground. They uh, started to look into ways that they could 
end up kind of making a recovery and, mm-hmm. you know, again, still trying to make that profitable quarter. So they looked at enticing more customers by yes. creating uh, uh, more opportunities to get low-cost shipping. Yes. Which originally it, you had to get an order of $100 or more in order to qualify for that, but they dropped that. Yeah, to $25, which yeah. is also what you have to pay currently to get free shipping. And they launched Marketplace, which would allow other companies, other stores to sell used books using their platform. Yes. And kind of cool. They were able to keep their prices so low because at that time, they were under the Quill Court versus North Dakota Supreme Court ruling of 1992, Mm -hmm. where as long as they didn't have a physical store in a location, they didn't have to collect sales tax from it. The dust finally started to settle in 2002. Mm -hmm. But- Amazon didn't have its first profitable year until 2003. They did have one profitable quarter in 2001. Mm -hmm. The last quarter of 2001 was profitable, but that was one quarter. It wasn't for the whole year. It was a nice change to actually have a profit instead of a loss for a quarter. But yeah, it wasn't until 2003 that they were finally able to mark down a full year as being profitable. Yeah, that year they made $35 million as opposed to the loss of $149 million in 2002. That's a nice turnaround. Yes. Yes, it is. So we now are at the point where in 2002, uh, Bezos is putting his folks into teams he called two pizza teams. Yeah, 10 people, just enough to be satiated by two pizzas. <sighs> um, each team had goals they had to meet that were called fitness functions. I'm sad to think of the nine other people who have to share one pizza. I know. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. You're going to have to cut slices in half. Again, Bezos thought people were spending too much time talking and communicating. So you had to meet these fitness functions for your team to be considered successful. Very stressful for a lot of employees. A lot of people did not like it. So company starts doing well. Mm -hmm. Customers are happy. Yes. Employees, probably not quite so much. We'll talk more about (laughs) that in our next segment. But first, let's take another quick break to thank our sponsor. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Okay, so mm-hmm. Amazon gets through the dot-com bubble burst, largely through this fortuitous investment that came from overseas markets. Yes. They are turning things around and making the company profitable for the first time in its history. And in 2005, they introduce a program that I think ends up being one of the most successful 
retail programs I've ever heard. Yes. Uh, Amazon Prime. So for $99 a year, you got free two-day shipping. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. You order a Prime product. Yes. And you're supposed to be able to get it in two days. There, there are non-Prime products as well. Sure. I I always filter those out. <laughs> I always I always look first for the Prime products. This is absolutely true. I'm a Prime member. Me too. And so first thing I do, filter out all the non-Prime stuff because then I if nothing fits what I want, then I'll yeah. turn that filter off. And boy, howdy, do I get unreasonably angry if my guaranteed two-day shipping takes longer than the guaranteed two days. That has happened quite a bit to me. In fact, I've paid for one-day shipping sometimes and they're like, oh, it's going to take four days to get there. I made an order day before yesterday. We're recording this on a Friday. I made an order on Wednesday. I found out it's going to get to me on Sunday. So the return of Captain Invincible, starring Christopher Lee and singing songs by Richard O'Brien, a amazing Australian mm-hmm. exploitation film musical that is absolutely <laughs> terrible, won't get to me till Sunday? What am I going to do on Saturday? How dare they sleep? I know. Um, <laughs> I guess that's probably true. So even though Prime started in 2005, it really caught hold. It really caught its stride in 2011. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Like what we talked earlier about leading into .com, mm-hmm. the Amazon infrastructure was kind of in a shambles. Yes. So they really had to take that into consideration and fix that problem. They did. But they fixed it in an interesting way. Instead of organizing the chaos in their warehouse so that everything was kind of in its place, Mm -hmm. they just found a place for everything. You'd have, you know— a box of tissues, and instead of putting all your box of tissues on one shelf, you'd put a box of tissues where it fit. You'd scan the tissue box, you'd scan the shelf, and then they brought in robots. So the robots, quote unquote, know where something yes. is. So this, they'll go, oh, there's a box of tissues here, and go grab it. This was actually another one of those stories, I think, that has illustrated uh, fears that people have about the future of the workplace, the idea of automation. So here you have robots that are rushing around warehouses retrieving uh, shelves, and the idea is to save time and labor. And they do. They cut the process of ordering a product to shipping a product from 65 minutes to about 15. Yeah, but it also is one of those that once people say, oh, that automation, I mean, it has a measurable effect. You can see that if it reduces the return time by 50 minutes, nearly an hour of gained time, then Automation really is the future. And that I mean, that's an ongoing discussion mm-hmm. that a lot of people are still very nervous about. Like, how long is it before we start seeing an increasing number of jobs replaced by automated systems? Yeah. I, I also think it's important to note that Prime also really caught its stride after they started introducing Prime Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So TV and movies that you can watch, including their own Their own series. Originals, yeah. yeah. Their first series was Transparent. Mm-hmm. And they've done quite a few since then. So it's it's kind of a competitor to stuff like Netflix. Yes. And also, I mean, obviously you can rent digital movies this way too. That's how I've seen quite a few well, movies. Amazon beat out Netflix for winning an Oscar mm-hmm. for original content. So they were the first. So pretty good. They are kind of headed up by the, or were at the time, by the someone who came from Disney. Amazon also, besides their forward-facing customer stuff, they a lot of their money also comes from uh, web hosting. They have these big cloud services that they sell to other businesses. So there are a lot of businesses out there that have their websites and their web services built 
on top of Amazon's infrastructure. Including Netflix. Yeah. So (laughs) if you don't have the money to have these massive amounts of computers to store all and serve all your information, Mm -hmm. then you can rent them essentially from Amazon. And so that has become a massive part of Amazon's business. Yeah. Yeah, they started in 2006. By 2010, they were a leader in cloud computing and are still because their their tools are easy to use, mm-hmm. uh, they are accessible for both the builder and the user. Mm-hmm. So, so these days they've got their own planes. They have warehouses, more than 150 warehouses. They do ocean freight. They've started opening up brick and mortar stores. They obviously they they bought Whole, they bought Whole foods. foods where you can now go pick up your packages if you don't want them delivered to your house for some reason. You can get discounts at Whole Foods if you're a Prime member. You can also go to Amazon's. Uh, there there are a couple of their pilot market stores where you can walk in. And if you have your app activated, uh-huh. you can walk in to these stores. They're fully automated. You just walk in, you pick up whatever it is you want, and you walk out. And it tracks what you picked up, and it tracks when you leave, and it charges you for whatever it was you picked up and walked out with. So it's just a grab-and-go kind of market. There are a couple of those. There's, I think, one in Seattle and one maybe in New York, I believe. They also have, in certain cities, one- to two-hour delivery Yes. Yeah. If they have a distribution center that's very close by, then you can get those. Or they'll do also restaurant deliveries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been known to order from there before because <laughs> they go to restaurants I really like and I don't drive. So <laughs> it's helpful. Amazon has obviously flourished and mm-hmm. yet it's still one of those companies where if you hear the stories from the employees, it still sounds like it, it could be a pretty stressful place to work. Bezos got incredibly wealthy, mm-hmm. and part of that is through his entrepreneurial bravery. Part of it is through luck. Part of it is through the fact that he was able to instill this kind of crazy work ethic from those who worked for him, whether out of loyalty or fear, who's to say, <laughs> but he was able to do it. Yeah, and we'll see. It seems like nothing can keep Amazon down. Yeah. Uh, even in 2014, when they did have a major bomb of the Amazon Fire Phone, they still kept rolling right along. Yeah, um, well, they've, they've introduced enough branded products, I think, that have proven to be very popular. Amazon's Echo, mm-hmm. you know, or the Amazon Kindle line. There, there are plenty of products that Amazon has introduced. And, of course, they have their own line of consumer products that are outside the tech industry, yeah. too. And they do have people pushing for better work conditions. But we'll see how that affects Amazon in the future. One other thing I want to talk about really quick before we go is that uh, in 2017 all the way through 2018, one of the big stories was that Amazon had announced it was going to open up a second headquarters. Mm-hmm. And cities around North America were all competing for this yeah. honor, right? Yeah, including Atlanta, where we are. Yeah, in fact, uh, Atlanta, or more appropriately, Stonecrest, which is about 20 miles east of Atlanta, was in competition for this. Mm-hmm. They had even gone so far as to say that they would rename part of the city Amazon, Georgia. Goodness. They had also mentioned, did you know this, that MARTA, our, this is becoming the Atlanta episode, I apologize, but MARTA, <laughs> which is our local uh, public transportation, transportation. system, 
They were offering up the possibility of having an Amazon-specific rail car Mm -hmm. on their trains that only Amazon employees could use. Yes, but we did not get the headquarters. No, no. Instead, Amazon announced that rather than it going to one location, it would go to two locations. One of those is Long Island City, which is in Queens, New Mm -hmm. York. It's on the island of Long Island, but it's not when New Yorkers would say Long Island. Fair enough. And the second is in the Arlington, Virginia area, Crystal City, not, I mean, right outside of D.C. Yeah. Do you happen to know what else is in those two locations? I do not, Jonathan. Why don't you tell me? Two of Jeff Bezos' houses. (laughs) How fitting. In fact, it's led some people to suggest that perhaps— This is not proven, but perhaps. Perhaps. Amazon knew where it was going to go the whole time and created this competition between cities largely as a way for the two actual destinations that they had already decided they were going to go to to offer them sweeter deals. That would be pretty uh, sneaky of them. Yeah, and I wouldn't put it past them for a second. Hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, we're seeing the effects of this already. We're seeing uh, some real estate prices going up both in Virginia and in New York. Mm -hmm. Not only that, real estate prices are going up in cities that were on the consideration list but were not picked by Amazon. This, again, just shows you how powerful this company (laughs) has become. Mm -hmm. They're now on the brink of world domination. That's a different sort of brink than the kind we cover. Yeah, it might be one that we'll have to cover in the near future. But until then, I think it's time for us to sign off. I agree, Jonathan. I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel Kasten. If you would like to learn more about what we've talked about, as well as keep track of all of our episodes, make sure you visit our website at thebrinkpodcast.show. Or you can email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.